BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. I mean... You look at Germany now, Germany has had to come to terms with what the country did. Yeah. Are the are the mass amount of Germans now anti-Semitic? No. But by acknowledging their, you know, their country's role in one of the worst atrocities known to man, they have come out to be better and stronger as as a people and as a country. Yeah. We're not going to see that until we do the same. Right. And the compromise actually was the lucky thing about Germany and the difference is that they can turn to one man and say, yes, this was a horrible thing Germany did that Hitler did. You know what I mean? It's this pass off. It was the Hitler regime. It wasn't Germany as a whole. It, you know, it, it was a, it was a way of life in, in the time of Germany. In it was a way of life that 30s. a lot of Germans very, very well embraced. Right. Right. Alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think, feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, name on you. I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you're going to figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. And here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. 
There were 329 uprisings, 157 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless America. May God bless America. You know, everybody wanted to say they weren't a Nazi afterwards because, oh, well, I didn't kill the Jews. Yeah, well, you certainly didn't help them either. And right. and that's and that is also the reality of the system of the United States. Yeah, you might not have killed Native Americans, but just sure as shit didn't help them either. Right. And that's the whole point of um the African African American community. They mm-hmm. built our they built our country. And once we had everything that they built for us, we were like, all right, we got everything. You're free now. And they're like, well, what can we have? And we're like, oh, nothing. We're just going to pick on you for the rest of time, you know? Right. I mean, <clears throat> we we have a lot of history to come to terms with. And yeah. the fact of the matter is, is that one side is, is doesn't want to address it because, well, it's not like I did it. Right. Uh, that's not what this is about. It's about acknowledging what the United States government has allowed to exist. And And, the left doesn't want to acknowledge it because, well, it's going to feel icky. It should. You have a few people, you have few groups of people that are like, yeah, we're acknowledging it. And it really fucking sucks because it's terrible. The people will acknowledge it all day long. You know what I mean? Government. (laughs) But the other thing is, you know, who else is acknowledging it? Every other country. Yeah. And you know who uses it against us when it attacks its citizens? Russia. You and know, China. Russia Russia always says, this is their mantra. Look, look what America does to its black people. We don't do that to you. We're better than them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and that's, that is, that is a reality that until, until we're willing to face and actually, you know, commit not just words, but actions as well. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these politicians can say whatever they want, but until we fully recognize the systemic slaughter that, you know, we've committed, it's, it's not going to change anything. And, and I say that as someone who, you know, had family from the South and had family from the North, you know, in, in the civil war, you know, there's a reality. It's like, you know, if, if I, if I look at that route, it's like, what am I neutral in this? Because, you know, I had some family members that did some bad things. I had a family member that sat on, you know, that was Abraham Lincoln, secretary of state, you right. know, so does that absolve, you know, does that absolve me? How does that work? <laughs> I don't know, man. It, that's, that's not how it works, you know? No, no. So until, until we learn to confront our past, and then make a plan about how we make things right moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, as we've talked about, you know, when it comes to equal rights, just because somebody else gets more rights, that does not mean you get less. Just because somebody now has more opportunities, that does not necessarily mean you have less. Right, right. Just because somebody now has <laughs> a path forward doesn't mean you don't. That's right. It increases your ability, in fact. 
it just opens up more opportunities for everybody. Like, you know, what's built for me works for you. Exactly. You know, so that's, that's always, that's, that's a rough conversation to have. And, and until we have it, you know, we're just going to keep circling the drain on the same arguments back and forth. Everybody's yep. going to pay their lip service. Nobody's going to do anything about it. Well, yeah, it's, uh, well, the, whatever the government wants us. I'm not saying that I, I hate that when we say the government, here's the thing is like, I understand the libertarian point of view. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's being explained right. We no. government. I like government. I like government. I don't like every form of government, but every, every country has to have a government. It just does. But what I think the issue is, is the bureaucracy of that government and politicians mm-hmm. are just trying to work within that bureaucracy. And so mm-hmm. I don't think it's government. You can say smaller government. You can say bigger government. I don't think that that covers it. And you can say, let's get new politicians in, but they're still going to have to conform to the bureaucracy, the rules, the red tape, the, the four people getting paid to do one thing. Like uh, I heard a, a Republican say, look, here's the thing. Joe Biden wants to throw $2 trillion at something, but where's that money going to end up? Is it actually going to land on the problem that you needed, or is it just going to be filtered down and lost in the bureaucracy of it all? And I finally, the guy from Michigan, I wish I could remember his name, but I was like, I think I just heard a reasonable Republican. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the, so you have that route, but then you also have those same people that are creating the red tape so that way their corporate butt buddies can get all the benefits yeah, and not pay anybody else. So it's it's great lip service, and I, and yeah, I applaud yeah, yeah, yeah. them for, you know, recognizing and approaching the point, but they're more than willing to actually take the those things yep. and then make it work for them, you yeah, know, exactly. and, and for their political donors. I, I, the, the talking out of the side of their mouth is it's, it's lovely. It's, it's, it's such beautiful lip service to a problem that they have absolutely no intention of fixing. No, they don't. No, they don't. And I tell this to people every day. How did, I mean, Joe Biden gave me a check. Thank you. That lasted about three minutes. And now I'm still stuck in the same shit that I've been stuck in that the government did to me. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm 50 years old. And I've never been able to pursue happiness because of the interests of the government. The government has kept me suppressed and down in a variety of different ways. You know what I mean? When I think about it, like mm-hmm. I couldn't just, and that's part of it. Like you can't just go to Italy and live for a year. You gotta, you there's red tape and like, I don't know. There's just, you can't have dual citizenship anymore. There's little things that just, they just suppress you in the weirdest ways. And I'm just tired of, but people want to burn down the government. It doesn't matter if you burn down the Congress building, the bureaucracy will still be there. What we need is people. Here's the thing. Like when you're in college, you have to come up with a thesis, right? Which is a great idea. And that's how your worth is projected. When you go into the government, you have to come up with something revolutionary, something to change the system, like Elizabeth Warren's Consumer Protection Agency. But we have politicians working on those things, hundreds of them, thousands of them, working on new ideas that will clutter up a system that's already cluttered. They're not working on, oh, we can't eliminate regulations because that's a Republican thing. They just want to add more red tape to prove their worth. Mm-hmm. 
that's the issue. Yeah. Which is why, you know, one of the things that I think absolutely, absolutely has to happen is just a full audit of the government. You know, Mm -hmm. you do this, you do this in corporations all the time where you have a full audit of policies, you have a full audit of all Mm -hmm. of these, all of these uh, policies, procedures, everything that you can about imagine. Right. Because at some point the system becomes less efficient than it should be. And that's, and that's. You know, that's just what happens over the years. The difference is, is that rather than, you know, sitting down and auditing itself and saying, you know what, these two things don't exactly match. Let's come up with something that actually makes sense. Right. You know, what, have one thing replaced two and have it be more efficient. Instead, they have these two things and then they create another thing that stacks on top of that, but it doesn't quite right. stack evenly to cover the gap. So we have to kind of jimmy all of these things around and it's right having that audit would make I think, far more sense. I think Donald Trump was that audit. I just think we put an incompetent man in to do it, but I think Donald Trump and drain the swamp, I think was the call for that audit. I just don't think he was the man to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think that, I think that there are enough people out there uh, on the whole political spectrum that, that really do want an audit of the U S governmental system. Yeah. The problem is, is, is that it's, it's the partisan issue of it is, is that, you know, the left wants people to audit the system so that way they can enact certain things. The right wants uh, an audit of their own so that way they can act in certain, on certain things. Right. And the reality is, is it's not, it's not a partisan thing. It's really just about making yeah. sure that one party gets what it wants and the other party can get stuffed. Well, it, yeah, but it should be a tuning of the bus. I mean, wheels on the bus go round and round, but we need the engine to work to do that for all of us, not just for one party or the other. We're dragging each other back and forth, you know? But that's where we're at right now is it's it's not about having the system work for the American people. It's about right. having the system work for the government that's in power. Well, yeah, because the one party that enacts the rules don't have to follow the rules. Uh-huh, exactly. There's no antitrust for government. You know no, what I mean? <laughs> there's not. And so, and, and, and that's where we sit with the current system because we're not actually forced to create a system that's based on actual and whole compromise. It's no. a, it's a, Hey, we're in power right now. So we're going to do a whole bunch of shit. And then the next time that the other party's in power, they're going to be like, cool, we're going to undo all of that shit. And we're going to do all of our own, but we can't undo all of that shit because the court will say no. So we're just going to like mix and mash and turn it into a Royal clusterfuck. Yeah. Right. Right. And now that, so let's talk about, um, federal interference because I don't understand something. And that is mm-hmm. the fact that Republicans they believe in state rights mm-hmm. and less federal intervention. So mm-hmm. if that's true, why are they suddenly creating hundreds and hundreds of illegal laws <laughs> <laughs> that they know are going to be court cases, federal court cases? Um, simple answer, because fuck you. That's why. Right. The, okay. the, the, the current state of the Republican Party is not actually about smaller government. That's, that's the, that is the honest to God truth. They're, they're not about smaller government. They're not about fiscal responsibility. They're the current state of the conservative government would, I would consider them 
more of a theological branch rather than an actual fiscal conservative, policy conservative, less government conservative. You know, anything that actually means smaller, they're, they're not that. Right. Like, like all of, you know, they had no problem with all of these stimulus packages that Trump passed for trillions of dollars. Then right. magically when Biden wants to pass something, they're like, whoa, 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 that's way too much money. It's like, okay, you pass three of these fuckers. Don't even start with me. Right. But we don't want to get into that. He <clears throat> spent, she spent, you no. know what I mean? I no, don't want Biden's, I don't want Biden spending 10 trillion because Trump spent 7 trillion. Exactly. You, know? well, you, you so so there's problem number 1. The the conservative side of politics isn't actually conservative. It's in not, any yeah. in any sense of the word conservative by means of smaller. Right. They they have taken on a theological identity and they don't actually want to see smaller government. I would say that the only thing conservative is that they want to see a certain group of people have smaller rights. We'll go with that. That's the only thing that I can say. Smaller voting rights, smaller individual rights. And, uh, you know, that's not, that's not conservative. That's just theological bullshit. Okay. I Um, had a thought and I lost it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because I had a, like somebody asked me, who's your audience? Because you don't like Democrats or Republicans. And I was no. like, my audience is just, I don't know. And it, it dawned on me, like conservatives must hate me, you know, and like liberals must hate me too. I had an Elizabeth Warren fan just call me a dumbass for telling her that, you know, her messaging was wrong. And that, uh, so, but I think it's important for like Republicans to know that, that, that what's going on. like. No, your Republican Party isn't a Republican ideology anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's important because I think they're getting fed a line of crap. And what all it is is you're fighting a race war and you're using little dog whistles to do that. Because mm-hmm. right now the white majority is going to become in 10 years the white minority. And that's the existential threat to Republicans. It's the, it's the climate change to Republicans. You know what I mean? But the, you know, to me, that's the hilarious part about it is, is that, you know, you have this group of people that, you know, are afraid of becoming a minority, but when you look at the way that their current system of trying to do government works, you know, there's a lot of people in the the Latin community that are conservative because they come up in, you know, very conservative mm-hmm. Christian households, you know, in, in that regard. And there's a lot of people who are black conservatives because they come up in very strict religious households. You like, know why, La- you know, why Latins are, sorry, I'll let you go on. No, no, no. Why Latins are conservative because they, they came here through the system properly and they hate illegal immigration. So to me, like, you know, and that's where, that's where Democrats tend to fall off is that they, is, is that they tend to think that, oh, well, because they're a person of color, they're going to vote for me. And then you look at the actual breakdown of it. And it's like, that's true in a lot of senses, but there's a lot of it that's not. And oh yeah, you can't get a Cuban to vote for a socialist agenda and the Democrats giving money away for free is socialism to them. You know what I mean? Right. And and so, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's very funny how the system tends to try and lump these things together. And it's like, yeah, yeah. That's that's what the brain does though. We can't handle the fact that there's 7 billion 
unique organisms in this world so we try and break them down we try and lump them together you know that's why we have wedges that's why we have gay people guess what i mean it's a spectrum right like there's some Mm -hmm. days that i'm not feeling very sexual which would make me asexual which would mean that that day i'm part of the lgbt and i'm an ally some days i don't like myself and i want to change my body and maybe that's something else you know and we don't realize that everything is a spectrum that somebody can be uh on the spectrum of blindness because they're not 2020 when we just look down on the people that are 2040 who look down on the people that are 2060 who look down on the, you know what I mean? And it's this, but we're all, we're all partly autistic. We're all partly, we all partly have ADHD. It's, it's, it's how this world is. We're all a spectrum, but not all black people are the same. You know what I mean? And they have, they have infighting in the BLM community, there's infighting. And in every, every organization that tries to do when they fail or when they succeed, they begin eating themselves. Mm. They begin eating each other. Black men are on the front line of the BLM movement, but it was created by black women who are now being told to shut the fuck up. You Mm. know what I mean? So you can't, you can't look at it that way. We can't look at it like that we're all the same because nobody is the same. And we got to realize that we're all people and the government is run by people, but they have rules to follow and that's called bureaucracy. And we need to fix that. And people can do that if they wanted to. Yeah. You know, and that's why, you know, I really think what needs to happen is about every 50 years, we do it a full audit of the government. Hell yeah. You know, we should be doing that all the time. Like I said, after a president, we should do a full um, 9-11 commission for that president to see what actually he accomplished and what he failed at and how we could do better in the next one, you know? I could see that potentially being useful, potentially. Mm-hmm. But just data. Um, it's things... just data. It's not. It's not laws. Like we're gonna. We're gonna. I think. I think. I think you can do it better real time, and that's just. And that's. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Just a, and and have and have the you know the post the post presidency wrap up. You could right. Do, yeah. You could do something like that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I like in, so in Montana, for example, every thirty years they're required to vote on whether or not they rewrite their constitution. That's right. You know, so to me, you know, that's something that uh, that'll never happen at the United States level, but it's being rewritten every day by reinterpretations of people that claim that they follow the letter of the constitution. Yeah. Right. Uh, so to me, it's, it's one of those things like there is a way that we can, we can do this and we can do it well, Mm -hmm. but we can't we as people we can't do that audit because we're not privy to all of the information no. right and so and the government is they are privy to the information and so cherry picking will occur and oh so, absolutely so absolutely. it has to be it has to be a commission and it just it has to be a group of people that have access to that subpoena power all that stuff so they can bring people in not for the not for the cameras not for not for criminality but just to say this is where we were this is where we are where do we need to go you know what i mean well but unfortunately right now we're at that point of <clears throat> we're at the point in politics where there's no there's no let's come together and work on this to make it better you've got you've got 
the two sides that have decided that a screaming match is far better than actual, you know, compromise and working together financially, if, if financially, or even just on, on camera looking at Jim Jordan. Well, of course, but that's, that's so he can get donations. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. It's, it's all about the finances. Jim Jordan wouldn't get up and speak it for free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. And every time Jim Jordan gets up and starts screaming, he just shows his ass at how much he does not know. That's right. And that's why we support Jeff Seitz because he's running against uh, Jim Jordan and Jeff Seitz had a handicapped brother. And so he, he cares about the stuff I care about. And we're trying to get him on the show, by the way, he's just, Mm -hmm. he's, he says he's busy. Whatever. Yeah. What else you got? Oh, this one is good because this one makes me laugh and it's part of the first question i asked so florida and idaho florida and iowa one of the eyes florida and another state created this law that says you're immune from prosecution if you run into protesters oh right but here's the weird thing to me is like my immediate thought was three guys in mega hats drunk walking out of a bar and an antifa person going that looks like a protest to me. (laughs) Like, honestly, the violence was like, you can't say that MAGA doesn't protest. Right. And and they wanted to do that at every state Capitol. Now what's stopping anybody from just running into those people? (laughs) Nothing. No. So you're just putting your own voters at risk. Like it's amazing to me that racists are so tone deaf to their own racism that they will enact laws that benefit the radicals on that the other side you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i'm not saying antifa is a, a black or a white <clears throat> thing it's it's a belief in anti-fascism but radicals have been attached to that and so i'm using the word for people antifa could literally run down a bunch of mega people because they have a sign on their head mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's t- Government bureaucracy at its finest. You pass something that you think is going to be beneficial to you. Right. And then when it gets used against you, surprise Pikachu face dot JPEG. So, oh, but that wasn't a protest. Okay. Let's see. But I just thought, I thought that was funny. It's just, they're so tone deaf that they can create laws like that. <laughs> well, that's government. I would say that's, that's any government in a nutshell. I'm going to make this so that way it benefits my people alone. And then the other uh, party uses it, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Well, I didn't mean like that." Well, it's not how you worded it. <laughs> all right. Um, how about this? I got a great fun one, and it's just—it's uh, going to be a total hypothetical. It's never going to happen. It's never going to—nothing's ever going to happen. But let—I want to fix racism real quick. Can we do that? Uh, I mean, that'd be great. I'd like that. Okay. So here's my theory: a contest, right? Every race just picks their best best um i don't know the you know the best version of that race and then we have a contest but now this contest incorporates all other contests it could be a shot put event it could be a medical exam it could be target practice it could be big brother it could be survivor it could be a spelling bee it doesn't that that doesn't matter but you're going to come up and every race is going to have to do a beauty pageant of all of these contests and at the end we know who the supreme race is for the next four years like the olympics you know what i mean 
I'm going to go with yikes. <laughs> yeah, you don't like the idea? No, hell no. What, what, uh, I think, what I think would happen, honestly, is that people would realize that they're not superior in every way and that there is no way to be superior as a race, right? Because the strongest man might not be the healthiest. And so the, I don't know. You're relying on people who you're relying on people to look at something objectively. And that's the problem is, is that these people are purely subjective and you're not going to be able to take any objective measure and convince them otherwise. Okay. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like how objectively you can show that vaccines do not cause autism. They do not cause cancer. Right. But subjectively they're going to sit down and they're constantly going to say, no, well, I'm not taking the vaccine because it's, it's only got emergency use. It's not actually FDA approved. And, and we don't know if people are going to drop dead from cancer in like eight to 10 years, despite the fact that that's never happened before. And, oh yeah, they totally cause autism. And it's only been shown in one study that was entirely debunked because the guy that actually <laughs> said, like, you're, you're not going to actually see anybody take this objectively and go hmm yes that is clearly what this means these people are stuck in such a subjective state of mind that they are right and there is nothing that you can ever do to convince them otherwise so mm. well i appreciate the idea it's never gonna fucking happen i want people to be introspective <clears throat> though i want them to look around and try and pick the best version of their race i want them to realize that um in saudi arabia and Pakistan and all the other Middle Eastern countries that guess what? It's not a country that designs your, like we call people African-American, but there's people that are, um, I'm, I hate the term black, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's such an identifier, but not everybody's African-American and well, some, and, and you know what I mean? You know, I've had friends, you know, that have asked me that it's like, are you white or are you European American? Mm -hmm. You know? I'm not European American. I'm white. My family's been in the country for quite a while. I'm ketchup. I'm so, just Heinz 57. I'm everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> I am but, a meat popsicle. But that's my point is that if you're looking for perfection in your race, you're never going to find it. You're, you're just never going to find it. And therefore nobody is superior, but I'm trying to find a way to get people to understand the lack of superiority. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know how to do that. White people, you're not superior and nobody else is. It takes all of us together. And that's why I love mixed babies because it's the best of everything all in one. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. But I also, I also you know, know that these people are totally subjective and there's, there's no, there is no reasoning. There's no logic. There is nothing you will ever be able to present to okay. these people that will ever sway that. And it, it's until they figure it out on their own, mm. the, you know, just, you know, looking up the, the stories of what people have experienced, right. You know, what, what had, what made them overcome their own issues. Mm -hmm. It's, it takes a moment of reckoning for each individual. And the reality is, is that that reckoning usually is very few and far between and what you grow up in, in an information standpoint and what you're taught makes it very difficult to overcome. Okay. I love it. So what do you think about, uh, the Derek Chauvin trial? Um, so they said it needed, people are saying, 
this is crazy that we needed all of this evidence to get a conviction. But I think we just found a template for success in accountability. Do you think, well, I just wanted to do a, everybody's doing this uh, George Floyd, you know, Derek Chauvin thing, but I, looking at it introspectively, is this a good template? Is there things we can improve on to make this better and easier? Cause it looks like, it looks like a victory to me, but I want the next one to follow the same, the same scenarios. You know what I mean? So let's start with the trial itself is mm -hmm. the trial itself. I mean, yeah. Um, the prosecution was, I mean, the prosecution won. And, and what most people need to understand is, is that, you know, from a federal level, because that's, that's when I worked in the courts, that's where I worked in primarily was in the federal level. The federal government has a 97% conviction rate. So if your charges are brought against you, it's pretty good chance that you're not going to walk away from it. A lot of plea deals. Lots of plea deals, but also lots of convictions. You know, what's funny. Derek Chauvin's attorneys asked for a plea deal of 10 years and, and prosecutors said no. And what I think is, so in the analysis, instead of using prosecutors stuck in the system, they went out and they got private attorneys, private mm -hmm. prosecutors. And I think that changed the, the way the case was prosecuted. And I like that. I like that. So I think that's part of the template that we should consider next time. Special prosecutors are, are very much a, are very much an important part of yeah. major cases, something like this, right. because the reality is, is it's like, you know, my former boss was a federal prosecutor at one point who then moved into defense and civil litigation. <sighs> Prosecutors are very cold, very methodical. Uh, yeah. lawyers oh, it's definitely. very much a you know here's the report and then what happened and then what happened and then what happened it's emotionless it's based entirely on fact and also mm -hmm. trying to disqualify the other side based on their emotions I love whereas that, by the way. whereas the defense is typically very much a you know this is a person you know whole that has x y and z and there mm -hmm. there's this dynamic range but at the same time, too, like the the defense community was not very thrilled with uh, the way that this particular lawyer decided to represent Chauvin. And was, so Chauvin, was it was it a fail of the defense or was it approving <laughs> of a template? Ah, if there was a better column a defense, column B, it's column A and column B. Uh, basically, you know, one of the things that we've we've kind of talked about is is that within the defense community. Uh, who a person hires very much uh, gives you a good idea of what this person is actually like. And okay. whoever this defense attorney was, I, mm, man, they are, whew, wow. Uh, right. Just, just wow. You know, trying to go the angry black man route was not a good decision that right. really got a lot of people worked up the prosecution was cold though and i don't think that i i, I while what what happened has worked you know the fact of the matter is, is like for example when it was time for the jury to to make a decision normally when when you have a quick verdict it's going to be in favor of the prosecution. Oh, Overwhelmingly. Yeah, yeah. And it was 10 hours, but you can 11 hours, that, but, but, but even still, they, like, slept, 
they slept for seven or eight of those, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Those 11 total hours of deliberation time. Ah, uh, okay. So one of the things that you have to keep in mind is, is that, you know, when we say short, we're talking like four hours ish. Okay. So this went longer than most of us expected it to. Now, from our experience, at least from my experience, I should say, is is that when you have something like that go longer, where it takes about a day in order to get things figured out, it's usually because they've hung on the most severe charge. Yeah. And I probably, I, I would I would say I'm about 95% sure that the reason it took as long as it did was probably because they hung on that first charge initially. But there were no jury questions. And that was a key in that right. uh, if if you have jury questions a lot of the times they're depending on how they're worded they're looking for a reason to convict a person not necessarily to acquit a person and that's where you know oh, wow. based on the way that the question comes out it could be a failure of the defense the fact that there were no questions that came out of this mm-hmm. i would say is a failure of the defense right so do you think he should have put the system on trial as opposed to Chauvin for, as a defense? Do you think he should have said it wasn't my client? It was the system. Mm, no, because uh, the problem it's, there, it's, it's systemic. Everybody else is doing it. He just is the one that got caught. Right. So then the problem there is, is, is that, both both sides of this they played a very delicate game of let's Mm. try not to indict the system right because that's going to open up uh, a a can of worms that that neither the state nor defense well those defending cops i should say are ready for okay the doj is his opening that can of worms yeah it is and and that's a whole nother topic i would say that you have a good starting template as to how you should approach these particular cases um because it wasn't wasn't perfect it was it it wasn't perfect because it was perfect it didn't succeed because it was perfect and it certainly didn't succeed i would say because uh the evidence how do I phrase this? The evidence was overwhelming, mm-hmm. but the prosecution, the prosecution didn't do the best job of showing, uh, I would say the aggravators, uh, that would lead to higher, you know, the higher levels, uh, like murder too. Okay. And and that's why I say I think that's that's why uh, jury the jury took as long as it did to reach a verdict, is I think that they struggled with murder too. That's typically what happens because a lot of the times, with with juries, what you'll get is they'll agree to the lesser charges right away. Those right. like those will happen really quickly. Um, so my guess is that man two that was a that was a given. Uh, murder three, right. yeah. Murder three was probably uh, almost unanimous, but might have had a little bit of a, a discussion on it. Murder two, on the other hand, that's probably where things got hung up. And okay. so a lot of us in the a lot of us that have worked in the defense community looked at that and said, 
Okay, so what's most likely is happening here is is that they're going to acquit him on murder too. Mm. That was what a lot of us started feeling at that moment when it was taking so long. Now that said, I don't know very many defense lawyers who were <clears throat> looking for a defense win. Right. Um, no, nobody the- really wanted the defense win. and But I don't think the jury was, people are saying that the mob made the jury vote oh. this way. I really, I don't, I think you're eliminating all of the evidence. And that girl that filmed that nine minute and 30 second video, I think she should be person of the year on time. You know what I mean? I think. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think, but I think the fact that we need that much evidence. And even then, as you're recording that evidence, you're still on, that girl was on trial as an angry mob, right? Right. Like she was part of an angry mob because she, she sent her younger sister into the store to not see a man be murdered, you know? And mm-hmm. so even, but even with that indictment, like people had to record the mob to prove that, you know what I mean? That's, and, and, and that's just it is, is that, you know, the whole argument around body cameras and things like that is, is that, you know, you should want as much evidence as possible in order, in order to prove beyond a reasonable doubt of what happened. You know, I've talked about this before. Does the camera lie? Absolutely. Because depending Mm -hmm. on the quality uh, and the frame rate that you were filming, did someone fire five shots or did they fire three? Did he die of carbon monoxide poisoning or was the, an electric car? You know, and so there, there's a lot of, you know, having the amount of evidence that you can get. Mm -hmm. What you still have to understand though, is, is that I, I say that, uh, with the amount of evidence that exists, people at trial usually only get about 10% of it, depending on the trial. Okay. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that people throw out there that, that the prosecution will throw out there, that the defense will throw out there. It's, it's a baffle them with bullshit strategy sometimes. And I guarantee you that, you know, the amount of discovery that there was in that case was probably absolutely insane. Yeah, right. And I, and when I say dis- the amount, I'm talking about bankers boxes. I'm talking about terabytes. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that you know you needed more than nine minutes and thirty seconds of video, but I guarantee you that you had as many clips as possible from as many angles as possible, oh, and, and looking for them, any right. and looking for any possible in or out of certain charges. I guarantee it. The amount of paperwork that was filed, I guarantee you Chauvin's (laughs) entire police history is located in that discovery box. I guarantee you. As well as all the police officers that worked around him to prove an average, you know what I mean? And I guarantee you that every, every policy that has ever existed is probably in that discovery file. And I guarantee you that every policy on training and use of force and all that like the amount of and i guarantee you that they never saw any of that the jury didn't and why because sometimes it's irrelevant sometimes it is uh just litigated out it's like you can't use that right but it was all everything they had was on a laptop given to them which i thought was interesting so it's uh, the amount of information that exists within a jury trial is usually mind boggling. 
for one case I worked just in paper alone, there were 50,000 pages that I had to read through. Wow. Yeah. So the, I, you know, for a case this large, I guarantee you that that case was bankers boxes full of information and hard drives full of information. And the jury saw maybe 10% of that at best. Wow. Okay. And then what do you, do you think that the other thing I really think might've changed it was the fact that it was on TV, that the, the, um, what was the prosecution said they didn't want it on TV. Schaubin said one of those, but the judge said in the, the, end the defense that, didn't want it on TV. Okay. So, but I really think that changed a lot and I'm not quite sure how it would have since everything was so insulated, but I just think that having it on TV made a difference. So <clears throat> with the jury, what most people don't realize is, is that, with the jury, um, once a jury is selected, they're not allowed to read the news. Right. They, I mean, like they're not supposed to be on. They're pretty much not supposed to be on any devices at all. They're not supposed to look up anything. They're given uh, Netflix. They're given Netflix. By the way, that's mm-hmm. this jury had Netflix. That's what they had to watch. Um, depending on the rules that get established, some so like for example, the biggest argument that you heard was about sequestering. Right. So sequestering, for those who don't know, is basically you get locked in a hotel room. You have no access to TV. You have no access to you have very limited access to internet right. uh, the idea is, is is that you know you can't be influenced by outside sources people can't send you anything you can't read anything you can't do anything that is going to inf- you know potentially sway you from the outside uh with with all of that information that was out there a lot of uh, the defense wanted people sequestered mm-hmm but as you know, the issue that you were going to have is, is that this was a case of national attention. So the reality world, of finding world, yeah. world attention. Yeah, exactly. So the idea that you're going to find somebody that hasn't at least heard about this. Hmm. I mean, it was always possible that you were going to find people who didn't watch the video. Sure. Because let's face it. That's not an easy video to watch. It's, it's not. It's not, it's not supposed to be though. Exactly. And, and for, for many people, you know, that, that trauma is not something that people, a lot of people willingly subject themselves to. Right. When I worked in the defense, I watched those videos and I watched them over and over and over. And I looked at the photos and I looked at the reports and you get to, you get so dug in deep in these cases. It's, I would argue that it's no different than what the media does where they constantly blast this across your news screen. But instead of cold, hard reports, it's, you know, you're, you're watching this video with somebody else's opinion blasted over the top of it. Right. And take that as you will, because we know that there's bias in the media. That's just, that's just the truth of it. It's the truth. There's bias in humanity, by the way, we all see things, we all see things a different way and we're not willing to put on another person's perspective to see it their way. Absolutely. And so, you know, trying to limit, you know, the number of biases that you have in a juror, I mean, the reality was, is, is that, you know, moving venue, moving anywhere, 
people don't, you know, courts don't like to move venue unless there's a really good reason to move venue. And I mean, right. really, 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 really good. Mm-hmm. And it's usually because there's somebody in the court involved. <laughs> right. So that was, that was never going to happen. And the idea that you were going to get a jury that hadn't at least heard about this case, not going to happen. Right. But you can still be objective. Absolutely. Think, you can still be objective. I think and, I could be objective, but I still would have come to the conclusion long before the prosecution rested. You know? <laughs> well, and, 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 and depending on the state, depending on the state, you, uh, some states actually have uh, uh, laws in place where if they think, you know, if a jury thinks that a particular punishment isn't harsh enough or is too harsh, or, or that the law itself is outdated, a jury can actually override because nice. they see it, they see it, uh, you know, certain, some states see it as the duty of the jury to inform the, you know, the court of the public that they don't see this as something that needs to be carried forward. I believe that Montana had a marijuana case uh, like that where, yeah. you know, the dude, you know, for the amount of weed that he had should have been going to jail for a while. But the jury failed to convict him and basically said that we believe that these laws are outdated and they do not serve any interest of justice whatsoever. So we refused to convict. And the court had no choice but to accept the verdict of the jury. That's cool. And, And so to me, that's one of those things where, you know, I honestly think that's something that needs to expand more is the you know if you're going to have a jury of your peers to decide whether or not someone is guilty you have you know the application of the law is important but if the law is outdated yeah you, you a jury needs to have the power and the authority to say we refuse to we refuse to convict or acquit because we think that this law is outdated mm-hmm. They should have more than one option for sure. Absolutely. But going back, this particular case showcased a lot of failings. It showcased the failings of the prosecution. It showcased the the failings of the defense. It showcased the failings of the court. Mm -hmm. And in the end, do I think the verdict was right? Yes. Do I think that there's a, now a template established for how you try this? Yes. Do I think that that template is going to hold up? Or only, improve? Can, only, we build, can we build on this base? Only if you get rid of qualified immunity. Yeah. Okay. Because, because while I, this case, I think, is a start of dismantling qualified immunity for places that still have it. Mm-hmm. I would say that unfortunately we're going to see this again and we're going to see a state use and apply qualified immunity in such a way that, that it won't be convicted and it will set up, uh, it will set up a fight at a circuit level or at the Supreme court level. Sure. It's not perfect. It's a good start, but there are other things that have to be uh, dealt with in order to make sure that you don't have this miscarriage of justice in the right. long run. In the long run. And it's not a non-binary, it's not a binary thing. Qualified immunity, it, it can it can be for some officers that are put into these hazardous positions, but not your average beat cop. You know what I mean? Like SWAT comes out, your beat cop doesn't have a gun anymore. SWAT comes out, 
they might have qualified immunity, you know what I mean? And more of an investigation, but now you're not investigating every situation that way. You know what I mean? Well, and, and you also have to change a lot of the systems too. For example, yeah. if you got mental health crisis, you shouldn't be showing up with a fucking armed officer anyways. That's right. I don't know why you need an armed officer for a traffic stop. I, we talked about that last week. So like if, if you're going to pull somebody over and, and if it's for a speeding ticket, great. You snap mm. the ticket, they, they get a ticket. But, you know, if the car turns up, you know, if the license plate turns up that it's stolen, then, yeah, you should probably be pulling that vehicle over with more than one officer. But you call for backup, right? Exactly. But the yeah. idea that, you know, a speeding ticket requires somebody to get pulled over, come on that's true yeah or or that you know the, the officer says that the the window tint is too dark okay mm -hmm. well are they doing anything else no okay capture the license plate write them a ticket for too dark a tint right well, so, you know there's ways there's ways around it like there that. there absolutely is there are absolutely ways around it you know and in that way, in that way, you know, here's and that way, here's the other thing. If somebody is if somebody is speeding and you just capture the license plate and you know, just plug in, you know, doing 75 and a 60, that officer has no idea if the person in that car is white or black. That's in right. Theory. In theory. You're absolutely right. And people get um running toll booth or running red light tickets all the time in the mail. Right. You know, it depends on the state law. You know, some places it's like you have the right to face your accuser and, and, and suppose, you know, Arizona had had a weird law in the books for a while that, you know, you had the right to face your accuser. Your accuser was the photo booth on the, on the traffic. <laughs> and since you can't bring the photo booth in, you know, supposedly and it was like, okay, technicality, clever, yeah. but ah, I'm going to have to go with, you know, the, that just captured the evidence. The officer has to review it and be like, yeah, I accuse you of running a red light. Right. Here's the evidence. And you know what, what's disturbing to me about the Schaubin trial is while that was going on, uh, Jacob Blake's, the, the officer that shot Jacob Blake returned to work and the officer involved in the Brianna Taylor um, incident got a book deal. Uh, let's also not fail to mention you had a couple of people get shot. Oh uh, my God. Yeah. Like, like, wow. Two or three, one right when the fucking verdict was being read. Although I will say yeah. that my favorite part about this was somebody hijacked Chicago PD's radio to play the verdict of the Chauvin trial on repeat. That's funny. And yeah, Dante Blake, I uh, man, I saw Dante Rod, uh, Right, Dante. Right, right. I'm right. sorry. No, because I saw Al Sharpton was on the way to the funeral, and he was like, "I'm on the way for the Durandre right." And I was like, "You asshole! <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're you're going, you're riding in the car with his family to go to his funeral, and you can't pronounce his name." I was just so irritated by, because Dante Wright, for having an air freshener and no tags, got shot, and I that's just. I don't know. Like during the trial, I was just, well, that's, and that's, you know, and, and of course, you know, the, the thing that's going to get, Oh, well he had a warrant out. Okay. Having a warrant out isn't a death sentence. I'm sorry. Do you like, know what the warrant was for? Nope. I, it I have not. It's a failure to appear. Do you know yep. why he failed to appear? Because they sent it to the wrong address. That sounds about right. That, that yep. sounds about like every fucking court that I've ever worked in. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
no seriously so, like like i i can't tell you how many cases where uh i would have to forward uh, something on to my boss that hey you know our client got a failure to appear why mm-hmm. why did our client get a failure to appear one time our one of our clients got a failure to appear they were in fucking jail and they sent the notice to the wrong jail Exactly. And so the jail didn't produce the client that they didn't have. So our client got a failure to appear. And it's like, that's not his fucking fault. <laughs> He's right? literally, literally in jail. But that, what was he going to do? Break out of jail and show up to fucking court? But Dante Wright died because of bureaucracy. No, And, and that's just it. Uh, you know, once again... A, a warrant is not a death sentence. A fake $20 bill, supposedly fake $20 bill, is not a supposedly. death sentence. You know, the number of death sentences handed out by cops is just absolutely insane. Well, the, the the police aren't the jury and executioner. They're just the one that collect the evidence, you know? Supposed, to, I, be, but honestly, supposed to be, but you've got too many people that are just like, oh, well, they were a criminal anyway. Well, who convicted them? Who convicted them of a crime? Were they convicted by a jury of their peers? So does that mean that if you get pulled over and shot, my response should be, well, you were a criminal anyways? No. No. And even if you were, what they are being murdered for is not a death sentence. Even if they were a bad person. That's the problem. I think we just have prejudgments that way. Oh, absolutely. But but are our do police actually fuck, we got like two minutes left. <laughs> I mean, do police actually prevent crime or do they just come and collect the evidence of it? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I would say that if you actually if they actually were forced to do things to benefit the community, they mm-hmm. could prevent crime. Absolutely. Live within the community, be somebody that community members could report to and talk to on a daily basis. Uh, you supply help other than a fucking gun. You know, <laughs> think about it. No, yes. think, think about it. Think about the number of cases where people go, "Oh, look at this cop. He actually took a pair of shoes to a person who didn't have shoes or or mm. this cop bought some someone's groceries when they were running out or bought this, you know, elderly person's pills. Uh, Two questions. Number one, why is a cop having to do that? Let's start there. Uh, Number two, um, if we're going to have people do outreach to the community, I, I don't want a cop doing that. I want somebody who's actually trained to go out and work with people who are in need or uh, having crisis. So that yes. way, so that way they come with the toolbox that is appropriate for the tool. Do we yeah. need cops? Absolutely. I need cops that are going to be fighting and fighting violent criminals. I need cops that are actually going to fight and find yeah. violent criminals, vi- people that are doing actual harm. Mm-hmm. shooting somebody in the back while they're running away. I'm sorry. That's, that's not, no shooting somebody because they're having a mental crisis. No shooting somebody because they're having an autistic meltdown in the middle of the street. No shooting somebody because they have a warrant. No shooting somebody because they're a 13 year old. And, and no, right. there are so many things that they are just, they're trained for a very specific purpose. And we're, we're using, we're using a giant fucking sledgehammer on a finishing yeah. nail. Uh, and on some, yeah, because the, the, the reasons for crime and the reasons somebody's a criminal are systemic and the, mm-hmm. you're not going to, you're not going to solve that at the end, but I'll just, I'm going to wrap up with a final statement and say, like, people think that it's okay that black people are dying because white people die are dying too. 
and you shouldn't be okay with either one. Exactly. You, if, if, if you think it's okay, you're, you're entirely missing the point. It's not okay that people are dying from the cops when they haven't gone through the justice system. That's right. If they have actually committed a crime, if they have actually committed a crime, cops are not the jury. They're not the judge. They Mm -hmm. certainly being the executioner, but that shouldn't be the case at all. Not whether you're black or whether you're right. White. And the number of things that cops are being sent out to that, that that's just not their yeah. real house, man. That, like, that's what I said. Give, give them a raise and have them deliver my pizzas, you know, because <laughs> they do everything else. <laughs> right. You know, it's, you know, if you're, if you're going to have the cops show up to deal with things, have them show up to deal with the things that they're supposed to be dealing with. Yeah. Not people, not people that are struggling to make ends meet, not people who are, you know, in crisis for various reasons, mm-hmm. not people who are, not people who are just living their life the best that they can. Right. You know, and, and, and struggling with that. So, you know, until you fundamentally change what you use the police for, Mm -hmm. this is going to continue. And, and so my hope is, is that, you know, my hope is, is that while, while people look at this whole defund the police thing, it's defunding to take cops to use them in the situations that they are supposed to be used in yeah not in all these other situations that literally do nothing to fix the ills that happen within society yeah running a homeless running a homeless running a homeless person through the justice system a thousand times doesn't fix the homelessness issue no and you're not making money off of that you're just spending money to 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 spend your budget you know what i mean exactly it's a shame all right. You got any good movie suggestions? Mm, good movie suggestions. You know, I, I love Jurassic Park still 30 years later. Yeah, me too. Oh, watched that last night and it was fantastic. Oof. They did such that. a good job on that movie. They did. I didn't like the follow-ups though. I, I, no, not because sucked. of the graphics. I mean, I think it was dressed the last one that came out. I was like, that, well, that wasn't bad. The The graphics weren't bad. The acting wasn't great. You know, <laughs> Jurassic, you know, I'd say that Jurassic world, the first one was probably the best one since the original. Yeah. 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 I mean, but, but you're never going to match the magic of the original. That's just it, you know? Right. Uh, so yeah. Okay. I watched, I'll tell you, do not watch the Joker if you're sad or depressed. Because by the end of that movie, I was like, I think I'm just going to jump off my balcony. I started depressed and I was like, I don't know, I'm going to watch it. And I halfway through, I was like, I shouldn't be watching this. And by the end, I was like, I should not have done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I did see the new Mortal Kombat and I'm not going to give any spoilers, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. I've heard, I've heard that it's great and I need to watch it. So I don't know if it's great. I don't know if it's great, but it is really good and it leaves it open for a sequel. And I'm, that's, what's exciting to me. And it was all nonstop. Like I have to stand up and like watch the TV. And so 
I mm-hmm. stood for two hours because <laughs> like, like, there was no chance for me to be like, oh, here's the slow half hour where I can go sit on the couch. It was like fight, 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 cool, fight. Ooh, nice. So yeah. yes. love it. Thanks for being here, Jeffrey. I appreciate you most of all. Oh, love you, man. Love you too. Have a great day. You too. To those who would tear <laughs> the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek and security we support you yes we can and to all those who have wondered if america's beacon still burns as bright tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth but from the enduring power of our ideals democracy liberty opportunity and unyielding hope let me tell you something you already know the world ain't all sunshine and rainbow place and I don't care how tough you are, they will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. Ask not yes, we can. what your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take it and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter, Apple Podcast, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Podable, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 